Welcome to episode two of our Retireable Podcast. My name is Mike Wallace. I'm a Senior Executive Vice President with Financial Services of America. My name is John Sauger. I'm also a Senior Executive Vice President. Financial Services of America is an independent holistic planning firm, which we, we, we talk about in our podcast here as well. Um, but one of the key parts and a lot of the people that we deal with um, are part of this, what they call the red zone retirement. And so a lot of people that think about the red zone, what do you think about, John, when I say red zone? Something warning, a negative, a, a warning, I yeah, guess. Yeah, a red zone. And oftentimes it's it's some type of warning or sometimes it's even in football, right? And so when we're looking at the red zone of football, that's the 20-yard line and in. And so basically that can make the difference between a winning a game and losing a game of how you perform in that red zone. Seven points versus three points versus you know nothing, right? And so that if you make the right decisions in that red zone as a football team, oftentimes you're going to win, right? Perfect. And yep. so we look at the red zone retirement as the 20 years, the 10 years before your retirement and 10 years after you retire. Why is that so important? Well, what happens is if you are 35 years old and we have a market like we're having right now, okay, and you lose 50% of your life savings or 40% of your life savings, you have that time horizon and you have that, you can make up some of those mistakes, right? Okay, so that red zone retirement is becomes really important. You're making the best decisions possible um, for your retirement dollars, especially if you have accumulated a little bit of a nest egg or a lot of a nest egg at this point. What we're also finding, though, too, um, is that unfortunately, most individuals that are in that retirement red zone now, especially the ones that are in the 10 years prior, no longer have pensions. And so they are now responsible that they have the resources um, for that work optional lifestyle, okay? So then we also, let's be honest, we meet a lot of people that come to us. We're referred to people and and and, and we meet people a lot of different ways um, that come to us that say, hey, I'm, I'm now in this retirement red zone and I've done no planning. I'm terrified. What do I do? And so I think that happens really often as well. And that's where this podcast comes in is, is trying to helped and give you some paths to follow, to go towards what, what steps do we need to do? What steps do we need to take? And, and, and what would be the first thought process there, Mike, if you're in that spot? Well, the, the first thought process in general, I think, is education is the key. This is the issue. In the 90s, when I first got in this business in 1991, you could read a publication, you could watch TV, um, you could listen to the radio and make some halfway decent financial decisions. Well, the market was going crazy. No matter what you did, you did, you, you, sure. you were fine, you were right? Money. And unfortunately, nowadays, things have changed. And not only with technology, which we'll, we'll address in some of our, our podcasts in the future, but things have changed so dramatically and moved so fast that, that now people have to rely on other individuals to help with them those, with those decisions. Otherwise, they're going to make... Uh, they, they can make some mistakes that we talked about earlier, right? And so I think that the first step with that is just education information. Now, uh, obviously, John, um, we we both have done seminars, um, you know, and educational seminars for years for our clients, more, um, you know, at a, at a restaurant or a college or a library, um, just for the educational. Um, we do webinars now too, so we're reaching a larger uh, audience. And so the natural transition now is, you know, we're trying to find a way for people to get some of this information and everybody learns differently. As you know, um, John's a former teacher, so he understands, you know, some people are audio uh, learners. My, my wife's a, is a, a principal and, was, and is a, uh, was a teacher as well. And, and so it's just this whole thought of 
people learn different ways. And so whether it's an audio or visual or sometimes a combination of the, the two, but podcast is this next step so that we can get that education information um, so that hopefully we can help people make some of those good decisions. Well, and that's exactly right. People need to learn on their own terms. But 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 the key there is learning. And 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 we all need to understand that in, in especially when we talk about finances, especially when we talk about retirement and all of those components, it can be overwhelming. And there is no such thing as a bad question. There's not a person out there that knows everything. We're still learning. We're still changing as, as retirement and, and planning in itself is an action verb, right? Things are changing constantly. Like you alluded to earlier, the economy is different now than it might've been five years ago. Um, as we'll talk about in the future uh, uh, with our guest, planning is different now than it might be in the future. And that's why you put a plan together, right? Uh, uh, taxes are different now than they are five years ago or, or five years from now or healthcare or whatnot. So all of those things are what we, we want to try and encompass as we, as we talk through this. The, the, the big thing I think, Mike, that I hear from you all the time and that I think um, hopefully, hopefully the families we work with hear from bo- both myself and you and, and across our company is having a plan is so important. Like you said, education, but this is meant to try and break down the, that taboo subject. Right. It, it's we talk about um, let's use taxes as an example. I asked the question the other night. I was doing a, a workshop on taxes and I asked the room how many of them knew what their children's tax information was. Like how many of them knew how their kids filed their taxes? And a couple people raised their hand. And the reason they knew is because they filed their kids taxes for them. Everybody else said, no, I wouldn't dare ask my kids questions about their taxes. And it's like you raised them. You took care of them. They're still your children. You love them your whole life. We got to break down this taboo subject. And it's not just taxes, but it's all things retirement. So that's what we have to build and and, and continue to talk about. So that's hopefully what people are getting from us in this this episode. More importantly, John, you you mentioned taxes, and that's a whole subject which we're going to breach with with many of our podcasts because that's a really important aspect now because, I mean, the, the tax code right now is over 3 million words. Okay, that's like three times it's like three Bibles, right? How, how, yep. how many yep. words it is. So it's, it's hard for people to disseminate that. So, you know, we always hear the rich don't pay taxes. Okay. And, and, and part of that's true, but the tax code in general was not passed for the rich. It's passed for the middle class. And those are the, the middle-class families that you and I work with on an everyday basis. And so a lot of this tax code, a lot of people don't understand the impact and the importance, especially at or near retirement um, that could affect their entire lifetime by using the proper strategies. And so it's really using the strategies. And you had mentioned earlier, John, about, you know, what if somebody doesn't have a plan or they, they you know, a lot of people we run into are good savers. They're just not good planners, you know, and so exactly. they have the nest eggs, but then they just don't, what do I do now? And so that's where a lot of people hire us to now to, to disseminate that information and so that they can make those good decisions. And more importantly, um, there's common mistakes that people make and we want to avoid some of those common mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the most important thing I think is, is you only want to retire once. You don't want to really get good and practiced at it and have to do it multiple times. We want to make sure we, we don't make those mistakes in that retirement red zone. We want to make sure we avoid those issues and we get good at it one time and, and enjoy whatever retirement is supposed to look like for us. And everybody's situation is different. It could be jet setting around the world, or it could be sitting and reading a book at the library or spending time with your grandkids, whatever it is, we want to make sure that's what, what, what we help, uh, in help you achieve and help you enjoy. Yeah. And a lot of it is about the plan and, and there's many different planning tools that we can use. 
Um, and most people don't plan to fail. Um, they fail to plan. And so it's just now putting together that plan uh, in place. Uh, and so, you know, one of the tools that we use, um, we're, we'll talk about our next guest and and he some of the tools that he uses. Well, Jake Reeder is a graduate of Siena Heights University. Uh, he's a former pro, pro baseball player. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that today as well um, with the Asheville Tourists, which is a minor league affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, he began his career in sales and management. He's become quite the accomplished speaker. So he does a lot of speaking engagements throughout the state of Michigan, um, does some webinars as well. And uh, he joined FSA, uh, Financial Services of America, our firm in 2010. He's a Series 65 life property and casualty insurance agent as well. Jake, take it away. Well, first of all, boys, thanks for inviting me in this morning. I actually uh, have a whole day of speaking today. Uh, after this, I'm heading to the office and we've got a couple hours of meetings and and actually talking about seminars and webinars and planning. And then uh, this evening we uh, have a seminar uh, where I'll be the keynote speaker as well. So uh, I've got a full slate of, of speaking ahead of us today. So uh, looking forward to it, but glad to spend a little bit of time here with you guys today. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what we call bucket planning here in a minute, but uh, I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to set the tone a little bit. Did you have any questions or anything that you wanted to ask me to lead up to bucket planning, or would you like me to dive right in? So so actually, Jake, um, as Mike said before, as, as we've talked about this in previous episodes, we talked about um, holistic planning. Okay. And, 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 and that's such a unique line, a unique point, a unique idea. Do, do me a favor, because we want people to hear and make sure they know they're hearing that we can explain it, but, but let's hear it from a different verse, a different version. You, you explain holistic financial planning really quick. Give us a snapshot. Well, let's start with what it's not. It is, does not have anything to do with alternative medicine or, you know, it's interesting when I, when I talk to friends and family, or sometimes when I'm speaking, uh, we, t- we use the term holistic and people automatically go to uh, holistic medicine yeah. or some type yeah, of yeah. an alternative approach to s- succeeding in life. And that's not what we're talking about. When we talk about holistic, we're talking about the whole of retirement. What do we mean by that? Well, when we identify and when we go do analysis and review with potential uh, families that we're going to represent, there are some very common themes that we see. Uh, and without question, the most common theme that we see, and this doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle, uh, as far as talking about your assets that you have to retire with, what we see on a very consistent basis is we see a lack of connection or what we call a lack of integration in their planning. So we'll meet with people that have Maybe they have a tax attorney, or maybe they do their taxes on their own, or they go to H&R Block or some of these big companies that do taxes, and maybe they have a financial advisor or a couple of financial advisors. Maybe they have an attorney. They've done some estate planning. Um, But oftentimes, in almost every instance, what we do not see is we do not see an integration plan where the, the tax attorney is talking to the estate planning attorney or the financial advisor is making decisions based on how the family has the estate plan and what their goals and objectives are. Oftentimes, those are completely separate. and Those conversations have never been had before. And so when we talk about the whole of retirement or holistic planning, we're talking about making sure that when we're making decisions to build a plan out, that we're making decisions with all of those different factors in mind and that they're working in harmony very much how an orchestra would work together. All aspects of the planning are taken care of when decisions are being made in the different areas or different topics of retirement. So it's a whole of retirement approach and we call it holistic planning or holistic advising. 
I love that analogy too. That that hopefully you caught it in there. I love that analogy of the orchestra. Um, that the an individual instrument sounds one particular way, but 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 and you might when an orchestra is playing, somebody might actually miss misplay a note, but the orchestra covers it, and, and and minor mistakes might be might be okay because everybody's communicating and practice together and interacting together. I and, love that. And, and and to further the analogy, why is there a conductor up there? Right. Oh, great point. I mean, or everybody in an orchestra is talented. Yeah. Everybody can play their instrument to the best of their ability. They probably were the best their entire lives growing up, but you still need someone there to direct and to bring everything together. Great and analogy. And it's a great analogy to what we do organizationally as a firm. Love that answer. That explains, it gives you, it gives a good feeling of explaining and, and, and planning how that brings together. So, so if we, if we can build on that a little bit, the, the, the idea of holistic, making sure everything works together. You talked about the different components, but you, you mentioned this idea of, of um, you know, bucket planning, and 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 it's kind of a kind of a word that stands out, right? Or it, it provides a visual. If I'm thinking of that right, Mike, you you look at it, and if I say bucket planning, you think of a bucket. Yeah. So <laughs> so so Jake, kind of explain what that is. Well, what bucket planning really is when we talk about retirement is asset allocation. But before we get into the mechanics of bucket planning and why it's so important as you enter into and navigate your way through the retirement years, I want to talk a little bit about where we're at in the world when we're working versus when we go into retirement. You see, without question, when we talk about what we call our accumulation years, there's not a whole lot of decisions that have to be made when it comes to planning. You know, in most cases, we're pumping as much money as we can into our 401ks or 403bs or 457s or these different types of retirement programs. Our, our diversification and asset allocation is to be as aggressive as possible because ultimately the goal is we want to have as much as we can when we get to that, that time called retirement sure. so that we have enough money or as much as we possibly can to plan. And so what happens in most cases is there's not a whole lot of planning that, that go, planning thought that goes in when we're in what we call our accumulation years. And so sadly, what happens as we begin to transition into retirement is we see many families that are attempting to continue to invest for the future the same way that they were investing over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, or what we call the accumulation years. In other words, the belief system is that's how we made all the money for retirement. Why would we not continue to do the same thing? Okay. okay? Yep. And, and if you don't understand the, the effects of what's going to happen to you as you navigate your way through retirement, it's understandable why that would happen. But there's a many realities that happen when you do retire that are completely different than when we're in our accumulation years. A couple of examples to give you. Number one, in your accumulation years or your working years, are you spending the money that you're saving for retirement? Probably. I would think so, right? Well, short of an emergency, you're probably not tapping into that 401k unless there's an emergency that comes up. You know, maybe you borrow money, you know, okay. Good point. education, someone gets sick. Uh, so you'd be budgeting where you wouldn't be using that Exactly. Money. Sure. But okay. in most cases, you, it's just there to save for retirement. So there's not a whole lot of investment thought that needs to go in. Um, when you retire, though, or you get near retirement, many things happen. Okay, you guys were talking earlier. Pensions are are no longer in existence. You know, I've I've been at this for thirteen years, and when when I would be at a speaking engagement, one of the questions I ask is, "How many people in the room are going to have a pension in the household?" And thirteen years ago, almost every hand in the room was raised. When I asked that question, it was about four weeks ago. The last time I spoke, I think uh, three families raised their hand that they were going to have a pension. 
Yeah, okay. mo- most of the time we see it's less than half. And that's just going to continue. And it'll just continue it, to go down, yeah, yeah for sure. So, so when we're talking about these factors that are different, one thing that's different is now the money that we've accumulated for retirement no longer is just purely a nest egg, the way it was maybe for our moms and our dads or our grandparents. Now that money is going to have to be leveraged, used to supplement or to essentially to create a self-funded pension in retirement. And that's just one of many reasons why in our retirement years, what we do and how we plan is different than our accumulation years. When you really don't know how long you're going to be retired for, right? Exactly. I mean, you don't know life expectancy, right? Exactly. I mean, and then w- without getting too much into the weeds about all the other factors, because there are uh, a lot of things that happen as you go through retirement, your retirement years um, are hard to quantify. Are there things that we really don't want to think about? You know, uh, a spouse getting sick or a significant other getting sick, medical costs going up for that a spouse or significant other passing away. You know, that's, these are things none of us want to think about, but these are realities that we deal with on a regular basis as we represent our families and our clients and help them navigate through these changes that are going to happen in their life. If you don't have a plan in place on how you're going to address these issues, that's where we see a lot of families get into trouble. And so we use organizationally what we call bucket planning. It's a best-selling book that was written. We use it essentially as our textbook on how we guide families for retirement. You know, it's very interesting. Um, You talk to somebody in the last couple of years, you've had an interesting time in the last 10 or 11 years in the marketplace. It really wasn't too difficult to to be too concerned about planning if you found yourself the last 10 or 11 years, 10, 12 years with your, your money in the stock market. Sure. Because no matter how you were invested, the market was continuing to grow. We wow. had the longest bull market in U.S. history over the last 12 years. Absolutely. Bull market meaning the uptrend in the market. So if you retired in that time period, you could have drawn money out, yeah. right? Yeah. And you looked at your statement every month, every quarter, every year, and you either had the same amount of money or more money. Yep. But the reality is when we look at the bigger picture, the markets don't run up all of the time. Correct. Nobody remembers to, to think about what happened in 2008 or 2001 when the tech bubble crashed, or 1997, or 1993, or 1987, these different periods where markets, which they're designed to do, correct down. And so retirees who are just leaning purely on the markets and not having a long-term strategy and utilizing all of the tools that are available to leverage in retirement, and then using an asset allocation strategy, what we call bucket planning, understanding time horizon, understanding what you need to have for the immediate, understanding what you need to have for the near term, and then understanding what you need to have for growth or for long term, that is where we see most families struggle. And so you talk to someone who's been retired for a couple of years, last year, everything was great. And it's a question I ask when I speak in public. You ask the question this year, how are things looking? And everybody is panicked. Sure. Because now they're still using the money, right? We're using the money for income. Yeah, you can't, you can't stop using right. it. You can't stop paying your bills. Right. The bills have continued to <laughs> yeah. continue. And we also know we're dealing with inflation right now. So not, exactly. only, not only are the bills continuing, but the cost of things is up dramatically, right? Absolutely. There's no end in sight for that anytime soon. And so the missing element is 
understanding proper asset allocation. And so we call it bucket planning. We call it, um, we use a strategy where we have the proper amount of capital for immediate money. We call it now money. We have the proper amount of capital set aside for what we call soon money. And then we have the proper amount of capital earmarked for what we call later money or long-term growth. You see, very important to understand, instinctually, we're getting ready to retire, okay. we're going to pull all of our money off the table. Yep. You right? hear that all the time. Exactly. Sure, sure. And while that instinct is correct, up until the last nine months, interest rates have been at historic lows, right? Yeah. And so what happens to retirees or people who are getting to retire who pull their money completely off the table and don't have a growth strategy, now their money is not keeping up losing with this. buying power. They're yeah. losing buy purchasing yeah. power. They're not keeping up with what's happening in the market. So, so Jake, I'm, why don't you tell us, what, what do you mean by taking the money off the table? So they'll, again, when we're in our working years, we're typically told whether we do it ourselves, making the decision, or we're, uh, we're being represented or advised by the 401k manager or, or whomever that might be to invest the money for growth. Okay? okay. So instinctually, many people will eliminate or they've been told that risk is bad in retirement. But that's not an accurate statement. You still need the portfolio to grow in retirement. Because what did we just talk about earlier? The fact that now we're self-funding our sure. retirement, right? Yeah. Well, and again, there are people that we meet that are retired longer than they worked. Absolutely. You, you know, so so it's it you, you can't just follow the exact same protocol. You have to listen to the proper planning. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of that, then, you know, taking it off the table, sometimes it could be cash. Oftentimes it's using the bond market. And when you're using the bond market, when we have a rising interest rate, market, that can be um, very detrimental. So why don't you talk a little bit about that, Jake? Yeah. And so uh, again, instinctually or historically speaking, the strategy would be if you just worked with your, you know, let, I'll use an example. Let's say you use one of the big institutions, you know, not singling any out. You know, we work with TD Ameritrade um, and Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab just bought TD Ameritrade and they're in the process of merging. So let's say that you worked with Charles Schwab and they managed your 401k. Uh, a, a traditional advisory strategy would be that as you neared retirement or entered into retirement, you would transition out of a more risk on portfolio, things like stocks, and you would transition into um, bonds. A couple of reasons why. Bonds, historically speaking, because they're, they are credit rated and they have more requirements in place, but also bonds are designed to pay what's called a yield. You get, essentially, you're loaning money to the company, that's what a bond is, and they're paying you an interest rate to, for, that, for that loan. All of that is out the window today. We don't have time today to get into why. I'm, I'm sure in, in future podcasts, we'll have an opportunity to discuss more in depth why that's happening. Mm -hmm. But interest rates are going up, companies are a lot more volatile, and there's just all these factors. So even a lot of the tried and two strategies from the past that would, would pass as acceptable don't work anymore. And if you're just stuck with those strategies or you don't know that there are there's a more broad picture and that there are other options available, oftentimes you're just at the whim or at the subject of what's going on in the marketplace and that's no way to plan. So so if I could if I could build on that, there's because it's all wonderful information. And but what what I what I want to highlight is something you said. It stuck with me and I and I wanna I want to make sure we highlight this. You said you said words here on the bucket plan. Yeah. Explain that to me. You 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 referenced now, soon, and later, right? That's explain that. What what do you mean by that? Yeah. So what we talk about is, and what's important to understand is, there's a dollar amount that you should have. So we talk about the now bucket. Okay. okay. So let's say that's our bank. 
All okay. right. We know we're not making any interest in the bank. We just talked about the fact that if our money is not keeping up with inflation or attempting to, we're losing what's called purchasing power. So we know we can calculate and do figures on what the proper dollar amount is to have on the sidelines. Like, maybe a, you, like an emergency account. Maybe you like, have a maybe you have a big purchase coming sure, up. Sure. Or or you wanna you have a wanna have an emergency fund, or you know you have a trip coming up or something major that you're gonna pay for. Um, but past that, we should have our money allocated and working toward whatever the goals and objectives are that we have in retirement, whether it be for growth or whether it be for income or whether it be to to deal with inflation, or whether it be to deal with, which we don't have time to talk about today, longevity uh, uh, risk. We call it longevity risk, or what happens if we get into a long-term care situation or a care situation. Average cost of care uh, in the United States, gentlemen, uh, and anybody listening to this, uh, for full-blown skilled nursing care is a little over $100,000 a year. So, wow. yeah. So in that situation, that the... the, the you're obviously, if, and you're not going to, you generally don't retire in need care right away. No. It's going to be longer down the road. So hard you to think about how yeah. to plan for that now yeah. Yeah. for something that could possibly happen 20 or 30 years. But if you don't do the planning now and you get to that point 20 or 30 years down the road and you haven't done everything that you can now, then oftentimes that's where you see families struggle and unable. And so what happens is interesting with care and just to real quick to talk about it. I know that's not our main topic today, but um, fa- families are going to pay for it one of two ways. You're either going to um, have someone else taking on some of that responsibility, maybe through an insurance policy or insurance, or you're going to self-fund it. But if it happens, the family is going to pay for it. Sure. So can, it's not, it's are, never are, be free. are there opportunities to plan today and strategies to use? Um, there are. And so that's part of what we call this bucket planning. So when we talk about the now bucket, just to finish on that, Whatever capital um, that we have available that doesn't need to be earmarked as an emergency fund or for something that we know in the very near future we're going to be paying for, the rest of that capital needs to be deployed in a different direction okay. so that it's working for you. That would be the other two buckets. But so many times we see families that have a big chunk of their net nest egg or their net worth on the sidelines. And while I understand the instinct and I appreciate the instinct, um, in the world that we live in with all of the factors that are affecting us, that's not a sound strategy to use. Okay, so if the, the now bucket's now the liquid stuff, what is the, the soon bucket and later bucket used for? Great question. So I want to talk about the soon bucket first because answering the solving the, the, the riddle or solving the equation for the now and the soon bucket is what allows us to properly use what we call the later bucket or the capital markets. I'm going to explain that last. So our soon bucket, or when we talk about the soon bucket, we know that there is going to be a certain amount of money that we're going to need in a in a certain time period. Okay. We say somewhere inside of a 10-year time period. I'll explain that time horizon and that number in a second. Um, so let's say you retire and you know that you're going to retire and you're going to need some income. Okay. Okay. We don't want to set up an income source that's that's at the whim or the will of the stock market. But the great news is for anyone listening is there are strategies that are available to fill what we call the soon bucket. So we can set up an income strategy. We can set up an we call it an opportunity bucket as well. Let me ask everyone listening right now. If you had a plan in place, what we call a bucket plan, and you had money that was in the soon bucket. Is there a great buying opportunity in the market right now? Absolutely. You better believe it. Absolutely. But if all of your money sure. was tied to the market and you lost 30% on all your money, you don't have any what we would call dry powder 
ready to deploy into the market right now. You're just literally in a holding pattern waiting for the market to come back. Yep. So the soon bucket is used for income. It's used for more shorter term investing. Okay, what do I mean by that? Why is this so important? Okay, if we know what we need for our immediate liquid money in our now bucket, and we know what we need for an income period or for any um, purchases or trips or anything that might come up in a three anything, to five year window. Planned, I can sleep now at night. we can confidently exactly. take the rest of the money and invest it properly for growth in the market, knowing that what's happening this year isn't affecting our planning or what happened last year doesn't change our long term plan. You know, it's, we've had a lot of conversations with our clients that we represent this year um, saying, hey, you know, we're looking at our later bucket, our, our, our growth investments that are in the stock market, and they're down. And the answer is, yeah, they are. Because we're, that money is invested for the long term. You have the money that we've allocated in your now bucket and in your soon bucket. So that gives us permission to ride the ups and downs and to chase that overall return in that 10-year-plus time horizon. And so we as a firm, as an organization, as a philosophical belief – refer back to our bucket plan that whether the market's up 12 or 15% last year or it's down 30% this year, they're going to have the ability to be comfortable and to have a long-term plan for retirement. It's very powerful to understand by proper asset allocation, if you have done a great job saving for retirement and you properly allocate the assets, understanding time horizon and what the goals and objectives are for the money, you grow the portfolio and replenish what you're spending in retirement. And we don't have time to talk about it today, but also put a transition in plan um, to create generational wealth. Or maybe you're charitable and you want to create some type of a charitable uh, wealth transfer. All of these strategies are available and our model, um, all of it is based on what we call bucket planning. I and, love that. Yeah, I, and what we talked about earlier was it's about having that plan yeah. and having that plan in place. And if you have the proper planning, then we're not as panicked when we open up our statements like, like we have right now because we understand that there is a plan in place and we can adapt to the times because we have that plan in place. So you talked about the the, the now bucket. Um, you talked about the soon bucket. Um, but let's let's wrap it up now and talk about the later bucket. What's that used for, Jake? Well, as I was mentioning, when we talk about that long-term horizon, so I mentioned earlier longevity risk or, or long-term care. So we might take a portion of the net worth and allocate that and know that it's going in that long-term or that later bucket so that it's not something that's calculated or earmarked that we're going to need immediately or in the near term. That is something that's set aside and, and investments or insurance strategies or a combination of all of the above are used for long-term planning. So that's something that would go in that later bucket. Also, when we talk, it's very interesting when we talk about investing in, in the stock market. Um, so many, and, it, and again, it's the correct instinct, right? This is all where human beings are, uh, whether you're uh, a wizard at finance or whether you're a novice at it, most people's instincts when it comes to money are pretty spot on. And so one of the biggest issues that we see, we see it all the time right now um, because the markets are down, is we see people that are investing in the stock market for growth, long-term growth. So they're taking on all of that risk, but they're not getting the return for taking on that risk. Well, why does that happen? We talked about it earlier. We transition from growth, the more volatile, more ups and downs, into the bonds, right? Or into something, historically speaking, that's more conservative. And so that doesn't, that doesn't equate very well. If you're investing money for growth, what we call the later bucket, it needs to be invested for growth. 
But so many times when we review a portfolio where we're not working with the family yet, what we see is we see them talking to their financial advisor or talking to the manager of the 401k and saying, listen, I'm getting ready to retire. I don't want any growth anymore. I want it ultra conservative. That's not a correct thought process. But if we're going to use the capital markets or we're going to use what we call the later bucket for growth, it needs to be earmarked for growth. Most people haven't sat down and properly allocated their funds to deal with income, to deal with long-term care, to deal with whatever they're going to need for the long-term. We know exactly how much money should be in each of those buckets to accomplish whatever the goals and objectives are. Now, you may or may not have enough to accomplish with, you know, we're not, we're not wizards, we're not miracle workers, right? Correct. But the reality is if I know what I need in the now and I know what I need in the near term, now I can confidently go out and invest my money for our families or invest their money for our families for a long-term horizon, banking on historical data saying that we're going to chase after that nine plus percent return so that we can replenish what we're spending down in our retirement years and grow the portfolio. Well, and, and part of that importance, part of the growth of that portfolio nowadays is first of all, a lot of people are living longer, right? But second of all, um, we have this inflation and obviously we're not hoping that we have this forever, but even at a, at a slight inflation factor, a lot of the illustrations that people are, are using is, is just even a, a nominal 3% inflation factor, which we know it's a lot better than that or a lot higher than that. And so that's why you have to segment some of those assets um, in order to uh, make sure that we're inflation proofing that portfolio. So, so if you have this soon bucket now for the um, income strategies, um, and then you have this later bucket, um, but let's say people are living longer than that time horizon you talked about earlier. Uh, how do we then allocate possible that that later bucket that we still have the, the income in the soon bucket later on? Yeah, I mean, so we call it uh, making a money machine. I mean, okay. you're, if, if you properly allocate, bucket planning creates a money machine. Okay. And so just to be clear, when we talk about asset allocation, it's not a it's not a static or a stationary thing. The benefit of having these buckets is the ability to shift money back and forth in between the buckets. And so as you have that growth in that later bucket, right, in that soon bucket, let's say we're taking income, monthly income, we, whether we want to or we need to or or we have to. Maybe we're in our 70s and the IRS says we have to start drawing some of our money out whether we want to or not. Um, what we know for sure is that money is coming out. So if we can take money from the growth bucket, over that long period of time, we can replenish the soon bucket or the now bucket, um, and it cr essentially creates a money machine. Second thing that it's doing is um, we know, I mean, it, it, mathematically, we know interest rates are going up finally. So that's good for savers, right? I, I think probably in the next three to five years, it's going to be realistic again to maybe get four or 5% in a bank CD, three or 4% maybe, right? Maybe four yeah. or 5% on bonds. That didn't exist for the last 10, 15 years. My grandmother, the very last CD, bless her heart, she's passed on now for many years, the last CD that we cashed in for her, um, she was getting 8.5% from a little bank in the, in the village that she lived in in Indiana. I mean, think about that, right? That world doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it will in the future, and certainly dynamic planning will adjust. But what we know is you have to have growth in your portfolio to be able to deal with these inflationary issues that we're having, the, the fact that the average cost of care is continuing to rise, the fact that people are living longer. And oh, by the way, you know, we... Uh, the owner of our firm, I know that uh, everyone listening got a chance to, to meet him in an earlier session. 
he intentionally built the company, if he didn't mention this, I'll mention it for him, to service what we call our middle-class millionaires. We wanted to be able to bring this type of planning, this advanced-level planning, to the everyday American hardworking man. That's where he was raised, and that's where, you know, that was his environment. That was my environment. And so we know that these strategies exist. It's just how do you lever them? Where do you get the information? How do you get in contact? Our belief is that bucket planning allows us to have a blueprint that's simple to understand to allow that to happen and to generationally help you protect your, you and your family and to help you grow wealth. Because there's nothing wrong, ladies and gentlemen, with creating generational wealth, whether that be for a charity or whether that be for your family, doesn't matter to us. But there are strategies that are available so you can have a great retirement, but we also can build out strategies in that later bucket to transition to the wealth, the wealth to the next generation um, or to charity or a combination of all of the above. It's easy to do all the other things that you just talked about. So that, that's well, awesome. One of my one of my dearest friends, it's very true. Um, money does not uh, bring happiness. Uh, oftentimes it brings sadness for people, right? But there is a very real reality. Maybe 100 years from now, 200 years from now, the world will be different. We'll probably be long moved on unless we all get downloaded into the, <laughs> into the matrix, right? Um, but there is a reality. Having money makes life easier because that's the society, the society that we live in. And so in retirement, without question, if you've properly planned and allocated your assets properly, it is going to give you the best opportunity to be successful and to have that retirement. And our team and our firm and our wealth managers, um, through our philosophical approach to planning, have the ability to bring that to the table. Um, Jake, thank you. Uh, we appreciate that. It is the bucket planning approach. Love it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff, Jake. Great yeah. stuff. The now, soon, and later buckets. And uh, again, you know, for anyone that's listening, uh, to get a hold of our firm, we have our website. It's fsa1.com. Um, and our phone number is 1-800-977-9292. Uh, thanks, Jake. Appreciate your time. And if you'd like to call Mike personally, I'll give you his cell phone number right now. <laughs> exactly. <Not interesting. laughs> You know, I, I, I do want to talk about in our, in our last segment here, um, our last segment, we, we talk about holistic happenings and we've discussed uh, what holistic planning is, but um, Jake just struck a chord with me um, when he talked about our proven process and that's what they call the FSA CARES process. And I just thought using that bucket planning approach um, is really what this retirable podcast is about, right? So it's there's different ways we can do that. Um, but part of it was with that that holistic planning approach. Uh, so really with this, we want to just kind of give you some examples of, of some of the things that we can use in, in, in tools. We talked a little bit earlier about the, the, the red zone of retirement. The red zone of retirement is the 10 years before and the 10 years after. after. Does it mean that you shouldn't plan 20 years or 30 years before or that we have to do planning 20 years or 30 years afterwards? And so one of the things... Um, is once you do retire, we want to work throughout your entire lifetime and have that proper planning approach that Jake talked about earlier um, is important because I don't care if you're you know 65 years old or you're 95 years old, there's still planning that, that can be important to you, okay? And so it's now utilizing that. And obviously with all of us being in this business for so long, we've seen people and we've, and, and one of the reasons I love my job so much is I've seen people actually then accomplish their goals. And we have re people retiring literally weekly um, from our firm, if not daily from our firm, 
and that we now can can see the fruits of their labor throughout their entire lifetime. Um, and so the other part of though of is making sure with that holistic part of it, it's not just about being able to have that income. It's making sure that we we take care of. Uh, and and Jake talked a little about generational wealth, and it may not be that that. Uh, generational wealth, but it's also that asset transition, uh, maybe even upon someone's passing. So- I, I can't think of a better way to wrap this uh, second episode up. That's wonderful. We do want to thank uh, Jake Reeder for coming in for us and explaining to us about bucket planning and, and sharing some time with that. Well, thanks, John. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Can we talk about um, the Detroit Lions and the red zone? Yeah, exactly. Not, soon not yet. Or? I know. I, I set you up to <laughs> talk about football and you and nothing. You know what? Nothing. You know what, Mike? I totally, <laughs> yeah. I, as soon as you said it, I was like, <sighs> I'm like, guys, come on, man. No. Uh, thanks, guys. Insurance products are offered through the Insurance Business Financial Services of America. FSA is also a financial services practice that offers securities products and services through AE Financial Services, LLC, AEFS, member FINRA, SIPC. FSA is also an investment advisory practice that offers investment advisory products and services through Financial Services of America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. AEFS and FSAA do not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by FSA are not subject to regulatory requirements and standards of care applicable to registered representatives and are not subject to investment advisory requirements. AEFS, FSAA, and FSA are not affiliated companies. Any and all other services referenced are an outside business activity not offered through or supervised by AE Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, or Financial Services of America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. AEFS, FSAA, and any other entities are all separate and not affiliated entities. FSA advisors may refer you to local CPAs for tax services, including our business partnership with FSA Tax and Accounting, and attorneys for estate planning services, including our strategic partnership with Benjamin T. Vader, PLLC. If needed to coordinate and collaborate with you and your advisor on your holistic financial plan with proper written authorization, 